Hey, welcome to another edition of Talking Fußball, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I am your host, Matt Herman, and this week it was all about elbow room, which teams would be playing their way out of last week's nine-team dog pile, one which threatened to cut off the breathing of half the league. With me this week is, you know, one of the best Bundesliga pundits out there, bar none as far as I'm concerned. The, he's You could call him the screenshot samurai, the newsletter go-getter, the tactical <laughs> analysis master of disaster it's all mesodosh of course wow you've been you've been uh, really preparing for that one that's quite that's quite a welcome i'm not sure not sure i deserve all of that phrase but uh and i'm blushing not that you can tell on a podcast come on come on people have been waiting for your return to this podcast that you used to just you know be spewing all of your knowledge into this podcast and now you found so many other great channels to to share all your 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 info with No, it's uh, it's definitely good to be back. I uh, you know finally got a got a weekend off from TV, and of course, much to my family's uh, chagrin, I'm, I'm here. I am uh, talking about uh, the Bundesliga uh, in another media format. So that's 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 where we are. But you know, hey man, you know we, you can't kick your your addictions all at once. You know, no, you gotta you gotta just let way, them yeah. peter out until you're ready. Uh, this week we got a nice look at the league leaders in the Bundesliga. We got a form check on a few teams who just seem to keep hanging around the top of the league. We got a series of seesaw battles to talk about, and if we must, a certain game played over bragging rights in a certain region of Western Germany, which really didn't actually catch fire. So do not go away. All right, away we go with part one of Talking Foosball. This is the part of the podcast where we talk Really about the best of the match day. This week it was match day nine. And uh, as I said at the top of the show, this was really a match day where a lot of teams were looking to put a little bit of breathing room between them and the rest of the league. We started off the match day with nine teams within touching distance of the league's summit. Things are a little bit clearer now. We now have... Borussia Mönchengladbach at the top of the table with a one-point lead over their old 1970s rivals, Bayern München. One more point separating those two teams from SC Freiburg and VfL Wolfsburg, followed by Borussia Dortmund and rounding out the top six, RB Leipzig. That's a little bit clearer of an order to things. How sort of truly do you think that that particular order reflects where these teams are at right now? Do you think that there are are teams who are still playing sort of over or under their worth? Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the top six minus if you sub out like Leverkusen and Freiburg. Obviously not in sort of that order, but but that's a team that I've had for uh, basically the the top six in, in the previews and you know with Frankfurt and and, and maybe Schalke or and, and are, are sort of competing there. I don't think there's really anybody that that's not around there. But obviously, the, the the big thing is how jam packed they are and and what a log jam there is up top. That's that's really. I would be interested to see like when we've had nine match days in Bundesliga and no team is over 20 points I think that would be a um, that would be an Opta France stat I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure it's out there if Opta, Opta France is listening to us but uh yeah I think the big picture wise it's it's like Dortmund and, and Bayern are kind of having their their issues with with coaching and and sort of subpar performances Leipzig haven't looked that great I mean uh, especially the last four or five games and then that, that's why you've got like a team like Wolfsburg which is still unbeaten and, and getting lots of draws and really hard to beat and then like the, the really surprising one is, is Freiburg I think just because of like how, how how they've been able to get results and I really like the strike quote he was just like saying when when we start to dream that's when we st- we're gonna start like losing so so it's a it's a it's a good thing and Gladbach of course remains probably the most entertaining team and and really um beating Frankfurt who, who could have who who, who who I think uh, were, were very close to being the other entertaining team oh and they could have really been up there in second or third place I think they, they might have lost on Sunday yeah. but I think they were plenty entertaining yeah, I mean, to talk about that game, I think it was fitting capping of, of this match day with, you know, although you had like two zero zeros, there was, even those games were fairly somewhat, uh, well, I don't want to say fairly entertaining because Schalke, Dortmund, and also Gauss, maybe you missed some of the entertainment, but that Gladbach-Frankfurt game was was everything you could have asked for because, and, and, and like, the interesting thing about like, the Dortmund-Gladbach game last week, 
was just as open as this one, except in, in, in that game, like you just had crazy, crazy saves and maybe some missed calls. And I mean, Burki pulled off like two saves that normally a goalkeeper gets red carded <laughs> if you go one-on-one against Mbolo. And in this game, like it was just, the finishing was, was outrageous and maybe some of the defending was, was a little bit lacking. And, and I mean, like that's how, that's how Gladbach play. If you, if you, if you've been watching them, they're very uh, compact, very narrow, the way Michael Rosa likes to do is, is a lot of pressing just what they want to do is force you into these areas of pitch particularly by the sidelines and then they they trap you there and then it's like one one pass and then there's a deep ball and then it's Duram or Embolo running at speed and then you know god have mercy on your souls yeah yeah i think that's really an interesting way of looking at that team that not only were they sort of successful tactically in terms of sort of putting pressure on both the Frankfurt attack as well as their defense when they would do those quick, quick breakouts. But also what you brought up about how really this is, this, this is a well-functioning team. And even when they go out and, and lose to their rivals Dortmund 1-0 last week, they still played very well. And we saw a pretty similar performance, just one that happened to, you know, yield four goals instead of no goals. How would you sort of characterize, you know, where this team is at in terms of of staying power. Are there players that they are over-dependent on? You know, are, are there weak spots in this team? I mean, the crazy thing is that they're doing this without with a lot of injuries. I mean, you, you basically, yep. like, Stindl has just... I mean, even in this game, he came in as a sub. I don't think he started a game. And then Ginter has been out. Uh, Liner played, but more more or less hurt or, or was was doubtful. And then he played even last week in the, in the derby. And then you had Jonas Hoffman. I think just made a season debut. So a lot of the key guys. And then Playa missed missed in this game. So and then Ben Shabani is a new signing who they haven't really integrated. I think I think Oscar Vent is somebody you would have said is a weak spot, but had a very good game for probably 60 minutes and then uh, started to give up the typical Oscar Vent spaces behind to to Kamada and, and, and Da Costa and they got a little bit uh, overrun there but uh, I think like Kramer is an, a penciled in starter and, and one of the things that, that this is a different team than, than last season for sure because uh, just a formation but it's much more a vertical team whereas Hacking's team was a very sort of slow methodical I mean the pressing is like I think the PPDA which measure, measures pressing was like 13 at Hacking which is which is really uh, high that means mm-hmm. not very intense and then it's now down I want to say like in the, in the 8 or 9 range which is which is among the best in the league uh, I think it's 8.89 so they're like the, the third or fourth place team and that will of course like lead to stuff where they're open in the back and then like Tony Janschke has to make plays and that <laughs> doesn't always work it's like he, he also, but he got hurt in this game Elvedi thought was fantastic you know but then also like he was maybe at fault for the Hinteregger goal Zummer has been like so, so when I, I made a I made like a team of the season for the TV and like a you know my usual what I what I've been doing for the Bundesliga fanatic or other outlets where I just spend way too much time over analyzing stuff. So one of those, and it's a four parter, and I had uh, Zomer in it in like as the best goalkeeper. You which, kept yourself to four parts. That's very yeah, very, yeah, very it's, economical it's, it's, of you. Know, this is solid eight thousand words, but uh, yeah. And then like I had Limer as the best right back, and I had Benesh and Zakaria kind of battling out for one of the midfield spots, and I went with Benesh, and he's he's been like probably the biggest surprise for me because because like Zakaria's. I think we we knew about his potential that was stunted under Hacking because he wasn't really able to go forward and Hacking would play like Strobel and, and Kramer, and Zakaria has that vertical dribbling ability which is which is awesome, but Benesh I think is is really surprising. Yeah, I wanted to get your check your temperature on Benesh because this is a guy who came to Gladbach what three seasons ago as sort I think of it's a, like the fourth now. Four, yeah. Oh wow, uh, as a pretty sort of medium high touted youngster who just did not really amount to anything. They sent him away to Kiel. Things went better for him there. He's come back. It's a new coach. Obviously, stylistically, things seem to mesh with him a little bit better. But how transformed do you see this guy? Or do you just see this as a natural sort of, you know, he's he's a few years older and he's he's a few years better? I think it's more complicated because, like, normally you wouldn't think he'd be a great fit for the Rose Maric sort of pressing uh, high tempo team because he is a very, he's a technician and he's got a really good left foot and he is maybe not the fastest on the ball and physically he's not that imposing, but I was... I wasn't sure like he would make it, and then of course they got rid of Cousins because Cousins wanted to be 
the Bayern's uh, Dritte Liga legend. Or, no, he, he had some attitude problems, like uh, apparently like he would be playing, he, he thought that he was a guaranteed starter and he was like taking off his, he was untying his shoelaces and they had some things in, in preseason. And, and Benesh actually started with Cousins in preseason and, and looked better than him because he was more of a hard worker off the ball and looked really good defensively. I mean, that was the, the big surprise for me. Is, and that probably is the kill stuff, uh, you know, learning learning in the Zweite Liga. It's a, it's a much more uh, rugged game there. And you always knew that he was he would have the assists and the, and the technical stuff and his ability to just like play the the, the hockey assist that that sort of uh, pass before the pass pass for the assist is, is is really crucial. He takes the set pieces, so I think he's matured a lot for sure. He's always been a very professional. Things from from people I've talked to him. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm hoping to uh, hoping to talk to him at some point this season with the some sort of an interview because you know he's a uh, you know he. he Decided to play for Slovakia, but he's he's somebody who uh, was born in sort of the the Hungarian part of Slovakia and speaks Hungarian fluently. And okay, I was looking. I was about to say, I look at his name. How can a guy named Laszlo Benish not be Hungarian? Well, he was part of a team in. Uh, so he was he was in uh, Dunajska Streda, which is the Slovakian team that that has a lot of Hungarians. It's a very Hungarian minority uh, ish town in Slovakia, and he went to uh, Dior, which is uh, was one of the big powerhouses in. Hungarian football, and uh, unfortunately, their owner uh, ran into a lot of corruption trouble. And it's not not the uh, so it's not been a good day for uh, for Jir and corruption. But I digress from the local politics. But basically, well, there were some some things about him, and, and it didn't work out. And, and basically, that's when he went to Zilina, which is a team that uh, ended up developing uh, Skriniar for Inter and a lot of those guys, and got a very good good young team there. And that's that's how he made his way to uh, Gladbach. But uh, really, uh, is one of those good good what-ifs and could have been playing for Hungary uh, and now he's a great uh, Bundesliga player yeah yeah, he, he he sort of is, which is a crazy thing to think. I think in the preseason, I remember he was one of those guys, uh, t- you know, spilling over into the the fantasy area as as we could for a moment. Uh, he was one of those guys you could have for a song on your fantasy team. And I think uh, in terms of like points per million or whatever cost, he's got to be one of the best value players out there. Yeah, he was at like three point something. I know I I, I had him. I, I still have him now, but but I think I I, I got picked him up pretty early because I'm watching preseason. Season. And yeah, it's been. And the hard part is that Gladbach's midfield is super congested because you got Neuhaus, who, who was really good at moving the ball, Zakaria, we, we praise, and then Kramer's in there. And then at some point, Hoffman is going to get back in there, and then maybe Strobel. And, then, and so it's, it's, it's a big. It's a big midfield, and sometimes they they just do like a four four two with a diamond, and then they've got to fit in like Embolo to Ram and then uh, Playa. But uh, it, it works, and 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 it's interesting to see Gladbach sort of develop under Rosa because like not long ago, a lot of people were like, oh, they lost four nothing to Wolfsburg in Wolfsburg Arate in in the Europa League, and they're like, well, how is this team gonna kick on? And now they're they've been leading the Bundesliga for uh, it's three matches now. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of crept up on us, but it's starting to feel pretty, pretty natural. Before we sort of leave this game behind, I think we really should talk about Eintracht for a little bit, because this was a game that, you know, in a lot of ways, they played themselves back into in a pretty, pretty serious way. And, you know, when Gladbach finally scored their third goal, it did kind of come out of, you know, it came against the run of play, let's just say. And, And Eintracht kind of had, you know, the foals on the ropes a little bit. Yeah, I'm surprised with with that because you know. So Eintracht are like I assume a lot of people who follow talking football will know how Eintracht play, but I think it's even more extreme what they're doing this year under Adi Hütter because the the way they play like three the three like one four two, they're like wide center backs Hinteregger and and Abraham essentially play like fullbacks in that they're super super wide. So to the extent that they have a build up, which they really more often. They don't, but it's like Hasebe playing almost as like a sweeper, and then they get like the defensive midfielders to drop back, like Gelson and Rode, and they actually were fairly smart not to try to like get it out against Gladbach because they've got a really strong press. But uh, I thought they had a lot of trouble, as you predictably thought you would have like Marcus Tiram against uh, Abraham and although like Tiram's dribbles and passes didn't didn't get off but he was just such a threat with like the way he's able to exploit space and 
you know, I think a big loss for Eintracht is not having Alma Mitoure, who is just a better version of David Abraham. And when you have like Abraham and, and Hasebe and, and Interager, like neither of those guys is really fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're playing a risky game there. And the other tough matchup for them was that like Da Costa, like it was at like 50% pass completion and... You know, like basically Da Costa and, and Kostic play like wingers, like like up far wingers. And against Leverkusen, that could work because if you're playing like Kostic against uh, Mitchell Weiser, that's that's a very favorable matchup. But then you're playing against Stefan Leiner, who's probably the best. Well, not probably. Like if Kimmich isn't playing right back, I think Stefan Leiner is the best Bundesliga right back because like the guy just has this engine which just keeps going. And, and he's actually a, a fairly decent football player as well. So Kostic looked very human. And, and you know, it's, it's hard because, like, there's not a lot of teams against whom Kostic manages to be, like, the less athletic guy. But that's kind of how it was. And, and the tough part for Eintracht is that they were missing Dost and Andre Silva. So they had to rely a lot on Paciencia. And, and I've praised Paciencia, and I'm probably going to write about him for, for Statsbaum and, and for uh, about Eintracht and how Hütter is able to get, like, basically the same amount of production out of Paciencia, Bastos, and Andre Silva than he was able to get out of Rebic, Aler, and Jovic. But I think it's there's some smoke and mirrors involved there. Because well, like when like your first sub off the bench is Dominic Cor for Sebastian Rode, like it's not like they, and I looked at their bench and I was like, well they don't have any, you know, they don't have any attacking players. It was like defenders and then Jovic and and and, and Cor is a defensive midfielder. But that that was their so even though their squad overall I think is deeper because they have like Dorm and, and Chandler as the white options and they've got like Toro and a lot of these defensive midfielders and, and center backs but Jovejic is the one that uh, he looks very very not ready physically for the Bundesliga but I think overall it's still it's still like Eintracht I think is a weird team because they're really like I don't think they're particularly equipped to play shootouts but they seem to end end up in a lot of these open open shootouts just because the way they're straight up they're so so attacking and there's, there's so much space like like their their defense is like man marking a lot of the times or man oriented pressing and when you do that with like three center backs across the width of the pitch that's really really hard <laughs> and they actually pull it off a lot of times i mean that's the crazy part is like with with those center backs they actually managed to pull it off but it can look not so great when you run into like Gladbach. Right, right. Which has probably the fastest forward line in the league. Yeah, let's put this game into a little drawer and save it for a rainy day when we're trying to think about some of the best games of the season, perhaps uh, in terms of, of, you know, fight backs and, you know, decisive goals. Because I thought this was really a nice, nice game between two really good teams. Let's turn maybe to a, a game that's a little bit less fun for the week. I guess the, the proper segue I should be applying is that uh, Gladbach, who, you know, came away winners this week, are going to be playing the team who they uh, were lost to, despite playing well against last week. That is uh, Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund was... Uh, you know they're they're facing off against each other in the cup on Wednesday, I believe. It's uh, it's at Dortmund, so I, I guess advantage Dortmund in that respect. But not if you look at the performance that they put in against their arch rivals Schalke this past weekend. This was a game in Gelsenkirchen. It was a game that you know was really just not a lot of fun. It was a nil-nil result. It was really, really short on good chances, especially on the Dortmund side. You know, maybe we can say Robbie Matondo had a couple of chances, which he managed to turn into non-chances. But this was a game that, you know, was way under anybody's, you know, expectation for excitement. I mean, these games have a tendency to go this way. We've seen some other, you know, grinding draws yeah. in the Revere Derby, but this was not my favorite. Yeah, like we were, we were joking with, with with my co-host on on TV, uh, Rita. She, she was she was like saying, "Well, it's going to be a really entertaining derby because you know we've had the the four two and the four four, and and uh, you know because it's not proper good TV to to be like, well, it's probably not going to be, or, or there's a fifty percent chance that it won't be." I was like, I didn't I didn't want to say that on the air, and then and then I told her like, "Well, there's a good chance that it won't." be and then you know basically um i think the key to this game was was schalke's pressing which which has been one of the things that has been dominating a lot of teams i think even leipzig's really struggled a couple weeks back uh, i actually thought like Bayern struggled in the three nil win uh, and to the to to the extent that they actually had to switch to like three in the back to be able to to get out against Schalke. And I think Lucien Favre's plan was to to use Guerrero a lot. Uh, Rafa Guerrero, he completed the most passes and, and tried to attack them on the left side with Hakimi and him. But it really didn't work because 
centrally, they just couldn't really get the ball out. I mean, Witzel and Delaney, like if you look at the average position, like Hummels was almost playing like a sweeper and Delaney was playing in the, in the place of uh, Hummels. And Witzel was, it's not a, like it's a rare day when you see like Axel Witzel misplaced 10 passes, but but it, it speaks volumes about the pressure that uh, Schalke was applying. And and uh, I mean, I wrote about them for, for Statsbomb and, and looked at how much their pressing has improved. And that's a very big David Wagner thing. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of teams in the Bundesliga who like to press, who like to counter-press. What makes Schalke's press special? Just... I know you've written about it, but you know if you can give us the sort of capsule version here. I mean, they're they're like it's it's not like a scheme or anything that they that they particularly do. It's just because they have a lot of good pressing players in that you know they're active. I mean, so so like Burgstaller. You know, say what you want about him not scoring goals, but he's a super defensive <laughs> There's guy. There's a lot of Schalke fans who have a lot of things, who want to say a lot of things about Borch uh, Yeah, I've, I've noticed. Uh, Indeed. Shout out to the uh, Schalke America guys and uh, hashtag free Kututu and all of that. But uh, like Kalijuri, we know about him, his defensive work. Arit actually is a surprising one because he's he's improved by leaps and bounds there. And that's a lot of credit to Schalke and Wagner. And then, you know, Serdar, I think, has, has always been a very highly rated defensive guy in Matondo just because he has so much space so it's really easy there and then, then the fullbacks I think John Joe Kenny has been been a I think really surprising guy and then Mascare like he's back to the Frankfurt version of Mascare who just sucks everything up and and is able to like like I, there's a lot of scenes in the Revere Derby where you have like Mascare who plays as a deep-lying playmaker he's up like near the 18-yard box of Dortmund and Dortmund I think they were able to come out in the first half a few times against the press, but then they couldn't make that sort of pass before the pass or, you know, like the final, even the ball before the final pass. And a lot of that just comes down to maybe like lack of form is, is, is for sure. And then, you know, Favre's lineups, you know, having Goethe in there and then like yanking him. Well, they're saying that he was maybe not 100%, but I think... It just if that was just kind of the story of the game is that how Schalke is just dominant and pressing and and this current version of Dortmund like that Gladbach win was more of a mirage and they lost fairly heavily on XG and and there was a lot of Berkey saves and fortunate calls and I think it sort of results wise papered over the cracks but then you've got the Inter loss and then now this. Zero zero, which feels like a loss because when 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 Dortmund puts up like zero point three xG or whatever and really doesn't doesn't have chances against like a Schalke side, which actually had you know a couple of good chances like the the Sané one, the the Ratondo ones, the Serdar one. So so it's I think it's gotta you gotta feel better if you're a Schalke fan than if you're a Dortmund fan. Yeah yeah, I, I would definitely think that they would be coming away from this one feeling like they were the better side. I'm not sure if they'll feel better because in some ways they, they might feel disappointed that they couldn't get three points out of this one where, where it really felt like they were they were on the table. That's fair. Just since I know you, you know, you're obviously a Dortmund fan, you watch Dortmund pretty closely. How troubling do you find the start to this season? I mean, points wise, I think, you know, you're in the thick of it. Yeah. You're not far off the top. This has been a weird season in the Bundesliga in that, you know, the the, the points per game average for the top of the table has been only a hair over two for most of the of the of this you know last few weeks, which means that no one's really running away with the league. But they seem to have just question marks all over the place. What do you think is the most pressing problem that they face? Oh well, how much time you have? But uh, like, <laughs> oh well, we've been going twenty some minutes now. Let's 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 yeah. keep it to. No, know. I mean, I, I got it like a solid twenty minutes in me. But no, like to, to be serious, I, it's a lot of it is like Lucien Favre. I think is is probably the one the guy who's taking a, a lot of the criticism, and you know, just in terms of. Like I, like I wrote about them in Satsbomb in, in early September after the Union loss and, yeah. and was saying that, well, you know, this is a team that had a, a 12-game crazy streak, which Favre tends to have, and since then has been like XG-wise and points-wise and every other metric, there's been like the third or fourth best team in the league. And really that's what's continued, and it's and it's sort of a maybe somewhat worse Worst looking aesthetically version of, of, of those teams. When you look at them, I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of like right again, like they're, they're fourth on expected points. They're a lot of the XG difference, like a lot of that stuff. They're, they're, they're third and fourth. So they're, they're, they're right, they're right around there. And I think the tough part is like they haven't been able to integrate the new players. Like it was, I thought it was very telling that, uh, 
Schultz, Azar, and Brandt were all uh, non-starters, or they were bench players for, for this one. You know, Alcacer not being out hurt because he will a lot of times, like, save a game. It hasn't been a Royce uh, or a Jadon Sancho season, despite both of them having pretty good goals and assist numbers. But And then defensively, like, I think uh, Jerome Polent, who uh, is a former Bundesliga player and uh, is analyst for uh, Zonali and now uh, ARD, did a really good thread that I, I guess we were going to link yeah. to about Dortmund's high line and, and how they're like very poor at uh, the way they're communicating with the center backs. And, and usually like Akanji was getting a lot of the blame earlier this season because his errors were a lot more visible and a lot of the like howlers. And, you know, he's been sometimes moved out to right back and now they're playing Weigel at center back. And the weigel homus partnership, the, the big problem is that none of them have any speed. So it's really easy to get the ball behind them. Yeah, did you happen to see earlier this week, there was a discussion going on between Tobias Escher of, you know, Spiel and some others about some of these issues, specifically in the intergame when there was a situation where there was a one-on-one that was perceived to have been the fault of Hummels yeah. stepping instead of dropping when there was no pressure on the ball. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Hummels yeah. chimed into the thread, and he was like... Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, oh. he, he chimed into the thread. He was like, uh-huh. you know, I'm really glad to see a nice sort of thoroughgoing, like, non-flamey wow. discussion. And he was That's like... Cool. And yeah. yes, in this situation... I was wrong. I should have. I should have dropped instead of stepped. It was really awesome. cool to see a, a player, like, because he wasn't That's tagged cool. in the thread no, either. I, I, he was I, I obviously like uh, searching for himself or whatever. Right. And he was like, "I, I have no problem Just with searching this. for himself." Yeah. Well, he's a he's a fellow podcaster like us with with his brother. I don't know if you've got a chance to listen to their podcast. It's uh, it's in German, Sweet. but Sweet. it's about a lot of sports and actually uh, fairly entertaining from what I've been able to check out. But yeah, I mean, you know, Favre always insists on playing Delaney and Witzel, and a lot of people think it's very conservative and. That's supposed to, like the the problem with that is like it's supposed to like fix the defense and Delaney had those amazing games against Kai Havertz and Barcelona and now like he's a nailed on starter and he takes a lot off the table just because he's not able to like he's not very pressing resistant like you saw him lose a lot of balls against Schalke and then get countered on and then he's very like difficult in, or he's got a lot of difficulties in, in playing forward so you know it's that and then I mean Vitzel actually to me has been like. We didn't have a great game here, but to me, probably was the best Dortmund player this season. And then, you know, now, like, Favre is, is playing uh, Hakimi not as a fullback, which which takes away, because if you're starting peace check, like, that's a, that's, a, that's a problem athletically. Like, again, against Schalke, like, he's not going to... I think the worry is that, you know, Hakimi might make more defensive mistake and peace check is more solid, but, like, you're not beating any with, with peace check, and you can't really play him the ball. So it was basically, like, every attack was on Guerrero's side, and then Hakimi was either busy, like, being obstructed or... Like, it took him, like, 70 minutes to come into the game, and you kind of felt that way with uh, with Sancho, and, and that was also the time... The time when Schalke got tired so you know it's a lot of those issues and then you know there, there there doesn't seem to be a lot of fluidity up top and then of course when Dortmund do go up a, a goal then they just retreat into the 4-4-2 shell which I think is not great when you have a lot of attacking players yeah and and I'm very glad that you found a nice fairly economical way to respond to my question which was what it, what is the one most pressing issue by my giving me like three or four and it was great yeah. well there's, there's there, I mean you know me there never is one Oh, of course, it's mentality, Matt. It's men- mentality. <laughs> it's definitely mentality. Uh, shice mentality. So I don't necessarily need a prognostication or anything like that. But this cup match, which is coming up at midweek, I mean, considering we have seen, you know, generally much better things from Gladbach in recent weeks than we have from Dortmund, leaving aside the fact that Dortmund beat them 1-0 at home last weekend. I don't think you're probably going into that game with a lot of confidence, are you? Yeah, it's a weird game because I just feel like it's one of those where like neither team is probably all that interested in the cup, you know, because like they've got bigger problems uh, with, with Gladbach. It's obviously now the, the, the title and then the, they got the Europa League and then the Dortmund, obviously Champions League, the title and, you know, so I feel like like. If you ask them, like probably both teams would be like, oh, that's a, you know, like both teams are going to like downplay who <laughs> the other team's going to be the favorite, kind of like the Revere Derby. But apparently, like Alcacer might be back. And I thought, actually, I thought like Goodset would start in the cup, but then now that he played, although he only played 55 minutes, he, he might not. I think you got to put like Dahoud in there just because you need some more playmaking, because particularly against Gladbach's pressing and athleticism, like Delaney is just not going to do that much. I would, I would probably also try like Hakimi and Guerrero or, or, you know, like maybe Schultz and then Hakimi or just to have like some speed on the outside, you know, 
probably Brandt because he didn't, you know, didn't really play that much and maybe give like uh, Royce a break or whatnot. But yeah, I mean, the, the, if you're Dortmund, you're, you're kind of hoping that Gladbach, because they, they played Sunday and then they played Thursday, like, and then they've got a lot of injuries that they're going to be tired and, and you can, you can kind of squeak one by. Yeah, I think that's probably probably the best way you can look at that one. Just incidentally, Schalke are also in action in the cup. They have a fairly interesting game against Armenia Bielefeld, who, you know, I, I'm not watching a lot of Zweite Bundesliga, but I am watching the table from time to time, and Bielefeld are certainly off to a very nice start there, so that could probably be a pretty pretty legit game this round. Yeah, and I mean, not to the extent that I've seen them, it's been like, Unfortunately, bits and pieces. Although I always want to watch more Zweite when you have like the six-two, uh, you know, Hamburg or Stuttgart matches, or like I mean, Bielefeld plays some some really uh, crazy games. And I even that Bielefeld House foul game, I, I caught a little bit on Monday after our show, and probably one of the best games I've seen, uh, not just for the Zweite Bundesliga, but like the, their team is interesting. Uh, I think Uwe Neuhaus has, has been one of the better coaches, and then you know, I've, my my biggest regret with them is that they don't have uh, like they still have Sven Schipp on the books but he he never plays which is just like a huge a huge win <laughs> a huge loss for me but uh like they're a good team for for sure and they actually have like i, mean, I think they've got like 55 percent possession which is which is i think fairly decent for the zweite league i only Dresden who, who play very slow and then stuttgart have, have more so it's definitely like a footballing team so uh, that they want to play sort of attractive uh, soccer and and they've got some some good players for for that like fogel zammer and fabian close have been very proven players and then i think hartel who's uh i think he went from union there he is a a, a very fast winger and you know so so it'll be interesting because because like actually like them having to, or wanting to try possession is is a good recipe for Schalke because I think Schalke's biggest Achilles heel is what to do when they have the ball I think that's the next phase of David Wagner and that still looks pretty rough for me yep yep it'll be interesting to see how Bielefeld handle that vaunted Schalke press Let's turn our attention over to a couple of teams who I think are sort of, you know, hanging around toward the top of the table. One perhaps a little bit, you know, more or less convincing than the other. Those two teams, in fact, are Freiburg and Wolfsburg. They both got positive results this weekend, much more positive for Freiburg. And, you know, a bit crazy, really, in that they, of course, went away to Union last week and were comprehensively beaten. And, you know, they come back home this week against, a, you know, an elite team in this league in Leipzig and get a 2-1 win. I don't think that this was necessarily, I don't know, it wasn't exactly like a result that you could say was wholly, like, convincing. I, I think XG-wise, certainly, um, Leipzig were... Probably more dangerous in this game, but that's not how they score football matches. What do you, what do you make of, of Freiburg and their sort of sustained appearance up at the top of the table? Yeah, I mean, like, XG-wise, they only, like, overtook them very late. Um, but, yeah, yeah. you know, like, traditionally, Freiburg has beaten Leipzig a lot, even in the Zweite Liga, and then even, like, you know, last season, if you remember. So mm-hmm. they, they played them really well, and that Union Berlin match was the first time that they didn't have a chance just because of, like, the Bülter goal, like, three minutes in, and then, then you know, Alte Fristerei is a really tough place to play in, and Freiburg are also a team that doesn't really, like do well when they're behind but like their their big thing tactically and you know i wrote about them as well is, is now they're playing with three at the back and is this is another kind of trend in the Bundesliga that the way they play three in the back is like their right back leanhardt kind of sometimes functions as like a a right a regular right back like almost like a fourth inventor and then um although not so much in this game and their their wing backs are really high like uh Gunther has been probably the best left back for me although defensively you can get in behind him and then Johnny Schmid is, is a right back so right wing back so they play there and then Koch, Koch has been immense uh, as a center back what was weird in this game is that they, they started like a guy I, I had to look up Lino Templeman I don't know if you're you're familiar with with his body of work <laughs> um apparently like he's and and you know apparently like he's a reserve player is a 20 year old and uh, they, they brought him in because they didn't really have another defensive midfielder and Streich wants to keep the the Waldschmidt, Höhler, Haberer trio or sometimes you get Peterson and so like this the, the way they had is like Waldschmidt got hurt after 30 minutes and then they had to bring in Peterson. Waldschmidt is probably their best player. And then Templeman wasn't very good and they, they subbed him off because he, he, he made the, he made a couple of mistakes. And the way this 
game had like a really weird flow to it because Leipzig just the first 10 minutes Freiburg were actually probably a better team and, and they they created a few sort of like smallish smallish opportunities but mostly like uh, um, just long range shots and then about 10 minutes in Leipzig really like Leipzig played with the ball they they played with like a 4-2-3-1 with Werner as a number 10 and against the ball they played like a 3-5-2 with Lukman and Werner up top and Zabitzer was like the, the wing back and then they were able to like force uh, Freiburg back after about 10 minutes and really like play this dominant kind of Nagelsmannish style but unfortunately for them like they weren't really able to convert any of the chances the Willi Orban one was from a corner it was like a huge basically a tap in and Koch yeah. got like somehow uh, a block on it that was uh, that was I thought it was like a huge huge one and then after that like they were dominant in terms of like the the possession and, and, and shots were, were very much in favor but they couldn't really get anything going and they couldn't couldn't get that goal and then they gave up basically the first attack was that Höfler goal when Freiburg were able to go like kind of the, the length of the pitch and Höfler I think it was I forget who was tracking him it was, it was might have been like Kostenberg or somebody like that and they just lost track of him and he just basically had a tap in and that like even changed the game to a more extreme version because then like Nagelsmann ended up like changing bringing in Kunku bringing in Polson and Werner didn't look all that healthy like he was a doubt before the game and did, like Leipzig kept attacking and but they again like Cunha had had, a, had like the classic Cunha misses late on that, that he usually has like particularly after the 80th minute and then Leipzig uh, or like that they conceded the second goal and that after, as that was kind of like after the second goal where they actually had the more more chances right around the second goal so I don't think XG really like you know tells that much about the game but it's more of a like a good strike game plan and and his system is is, is tough to beat with with the the way they have like and you know like they did it with a backup keeper and with Mark Flecken I mean and that's the crazy part again and it's like you know their injuries are, are piling up and they've got a big squad and and they're still getting results yeah yeah I mean in some ways when you have a squad that is, I don't know, like deeper than it is good, which is to say like, you know, the, the, the difference between your best player and your worst player at Freiburg is, you know, not as huge as it might be at some other teams. I mean, the fact that you can, even even if you have a guy like Templeman come in and not perform very well, it's not like it was a game-ruining disaster for them. The, the nice thing was that, like, he, he was able to bring in Grifo, who, who basically, like, and he reorganized the team completely because, like, Grifo is a left winger. And so he put, like, Hurler to the right wing, Grifo to the left wing, and brought Haber into the double six. And, and that, you know, worked better because Haber is another one of those guys I think nobody really talks about. But he can play so many positions very credibly. He's really, really active. And, and Hurler, to me, has been one of the surprises of the season because just a super like motor and really like there's a time when like Upe Meccano even had to foul him for a yellow card because he got beaten for pace and, and it doesn't happen like Upe Meccano doesn't get beaten for pace but I mean it was it was not like he wasn't completely beaten it was kind of a questionable one but but he was a little bit beaten so now I was like well that doesn't happen yeah yeah seriously so RB Leipzig Leipzig yeah they're kind of I mean after that really good opening part to the season they have become a little bit less dominant. They, of course, have had some results go against them as well as, you know, eking out some draws when they probably could have won. I mean, how do you have a particular concern about this team or do you think that they're just sort of hitting hitting a, a brief plateau? Nagelsmann was very critical like even during the week he got basically got like triggered by by, by uh, some criticism and he was like you guys should be coaches maybe and it was like some some critics on the RB Live and then like after this game he was like we're, we're not a top team or we're in kind Spitzmannschaft is, is what he was saying and, and I think like the big problem for them is that like well defensively Konate and Upamecano basically played like one game together and that's that's a problem because you, you're playing Willy Orban who was very good but like on the ball he doesn't really do that much and then even Kosterman, Mukiele have been hurt, Hustenberg so and they've been like making a lot of like kind of unforced errors. They don't have a number six you know because Campbell has been hurt, Tyler Adams actually has been a huge miss and they've been playing a lot of Konrad Leimer at uh, double pivot and he's like leading the league in fouls and super active but positioning wise he needs some help. Deme 
I don't think has been that good. Like you probably don't want him to start all that much. And then, uh, you know, I really like what Nagelsmann's been doing with Werner. I think he's been probably one of the best players, despite like missing a lot of chances, but they don't have a second striker. I mean, that's the big thing is Polzin has fallen off a cliff and really looks out of place in the Nagelsmann system. And when they've tried Lukman, he's, he's been playing in the last few games. They tried like Patrick Schick, who got hurt shockingly. And, and then like they've been trying Nkunku sometimes as, as an attacking midfielder, but really none of their new guys, the lone guys or whatever got, like none of those guys have contributed anything. And they got this weird team where it's like, Unless, like, Zabitzer scores and, you know, Forsberg creates something or, like, Werner scores, they have, like, a hard time scoring and they, they're, they're conceding. So I would agree with Nagelsmann because it's not, like, it's not been, like, a super difficult schedule or anything for them. So it's, like, weird because everybody was still in love with them, including I. And, and, and I might have, you know, we might have, like, overrated it because the results were coming. But, like, their, their thing as well even though like they've played some good teams in Schalke, Leverkusen, and Wolfsburg, and it's it's no shame that you're not beating these teams. But you know now like now their next four games are like Mainz, Hertha, Paderborn, Köln, Hoffenheim, Düsseldorf. Like, next six games, like you're gonna get some points there. So, but like I still don't really see a lot of the Nagelsmann on ball or in possession improvements that were promised. And sometimes like I think with Werner it, it looks nice, but a lot of times like. Like, even, I think, against Leverkusen in the second half last week or even in the Champions League, they would just play, like, the Rangnick ball where, you know, just boot it up and hope Werner can get on the end of it. And sometimes it works. But I think you're not that happy with the football you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you if you lose to Freiburg, despite the fact that Freiburg are, you know, off to a really nice start, you probably are kein Spitzenmannschaft. Freiburg, incidentally, they have Union again in the cup at midweek. Leipzig are hosting what looks to us, in any way, looking at the table, they are hosting a Spitzenmannschaft in Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg, you know, they keep on not losing. That's that's something that they are really, really, really good at. And they are, you know, part of the, uh, you know, extended Austrian invasion of the Bundesliga coaching ranks, either, you know, guys who are either Austrian or have Austrian league experience who are really doing well in the league this year. What did you make of Wolfsburg and Augsburg? I mean, this was a nil-nil result in the end. I, I saw I saw a sort of wry tweet of yours where you were like, there's so many chances in the first 20 minutes of this game. And then and then you tweet around full time. I think I did that. I, I jinxed it. Yeah, I think it was like zero point five to zero point four on the XG for after like eighteen minutes, and then it ended at like zero point eight to like zero point six. Oh, so it's like, yeah, well, cool. Yeah, but I mean, I was surprised with Augsburg because I don't think they're like a very good team and. It looks like Martin Schmidt has figured out, like, if he plays his best players, like, or, well, minus Michael Gregoric, who sometime, somehow still can't get on the team, but, like, playing Finn Bogason, Richter, you know, Ruben Vargas and Niederlechner together, like, that's actually not a, that a bad attacking output. And then you got Danny Bayer back in, that's pretty good. And then Udokai, I thought, like, against his, well, I guess technically he's still a Wolfsburg player, but he was probably the best player on the pitch. Um, so Augsburg looks semi-decent. And the thing with Wolfsburg is, like, they, they don't always look pretty because they play this 3-4-3, which is very pressing reliant. But, you know, Arnold, Maxi Arnold was, I don't know if he was hurt or he just came in late for some reason. So when he doesn't play, like, they don't really have much of a playmaker. And then you've got to, like, rely on, like, Bruma, Jeffrey Bruma and John Anthony Brooks making plays out of the back. And, like, I didn't think Brooks, who, I guess, you just come back from injury, uh, he didn't look that great. I don't know, like, it's, it's, it's really interesting with Glasner because... He's doing it with a lot of injuries. Like they lost Ken Castell as their starting keeper. Their back three is always changing because early on they played like Gilavogi, Knoche, and then Tisserand. And now like Tisserand is playing with Brooks and then Bruma is playing. Like last week they were playing Mbabu at like right center back. And William, William is probably the, the one guy that I really like. I, I, I've had him very close to being as one of the best players in the Bundesliga defensively and then like he's actually good going forward Roussillon I really liked for a long time but he's he's in and out of the lineup and you know and then Weghorst I think Toby Escher wrote a really nice piece about him in, in, in Spiegel but he, he will have these kind of games where he looks clumsy you know and he still works hard and you know 
when McMahon or Riccolo don't create that much, or like Felix Klaus can't finish the chances, it's going to be you know a lot of these kind of games for for Wolfsburg. But overall, uh, I think you know I was high on them just because I like Glasner for a while because of Linz. Although you know now we got Talking Football podcast favorite Valerian Ishmael, who's who's also really doing a great job at Linz. So maybe maybe the team has something to do with it. But uh, I don't know. It, it, their schedule has been like maybe not that tough with Wolfsburg because. They've really only played like Leipzig is the, the sort of you know one of the top teams, and then now like they're playing Dortmund, Leverkusen, Frankfurt, you know Freiburg, Gladbach, Schalke, Bayern. That's seven of their eight next games. So we'll see. We'll see if we're still high on them after that. Yep. Yep. Let's let's wait for the gut check. Okay. Well, we, we've been talking for quite some time already. Let's take a little break and then come back and talk about the rest of match day nine in you know somewhat shorter form. All right, here we come with part two of Talking Foosball, the part where we talk about, you know, the rest of the match day. This was, of course, match day nine. This was the time when, you know, Gladbach started to tiptoe, tiptoe, tiptoe away from the chasing pack, although there was a team who, you know, managed to stay just a point behind them. That is FC Bayern München. This was not really the dominant performance that we might have expected from them at the Allianz Arena versus, you know, one of the the worst teams in the league in uh, Union Berlin. It was a 2-1 win for them. If Union had converted a penalty, it could very easily have been a 2-2 result. What is your take on, you know, Bayern, who anytime they're doing anything other than leading the league by double digits, there is always a sort of whiff of trouble? Yeah, I mean, from a macro perspective, like, obviously we've talked a lot about Bayern, although not really so much in English or here, that they're lacking sort of a dominant style and philosophy under Kovac. And, you know, there's some issues with, I think, Justin Kraft, who is a really good follow on Twitter at uh, Lamsteiger, as a Mia Sanrot author. He, like, there was a question that, like, he, you know, he and I go back and forth about why don't people ask Kovac tactics questions? And then Kovac was asked a t- tactics question at the press conference, and he was like, well, we just got to find individual solutions and brushed it off and you know like that's the kind of stuff that's infuriating because I actually like I've been you know watching them closely and been giving Kovac a lot of credit for some of his pre-match ideas and the way he uses like Gnabry and and is like almost like a number eight sometimes or like the way he moves uh, defenders around or Kimi has a defensive midfielder because Thiago really up until this game hasn't really had a great game Uh, or even like starting Alfonso Davies as left back who was pretty good in this one and you know, they've had to deal with a lot of injuries with Zule and basically uh, navigating the Coutinho, Thomas Müller thing. So I don't think that that part has been bad. And But just like not addressing the issues of the buildup or being the midfield being disconnected. I mean, that's that's the big thing with Bayern is, you know, like there's a cascading effect because Kimmich to me is probably their best number six, but then he's also their best right back. And now with Zula out, you have to play like Pavard inside. So you don't really have a, you know, you have to, put Kimmich as a right back so then you know Thiago actually I thought looked okay in this game I don't think he had much trouble it's probably his first dominant game but then you you don't know who his partner is Tolisso hasn't worked out he's he's is really much more of a, a number eight higher and he looked okay when he came in and played in the kind of the Goretzka role like up front but you really don't have like a number eight like a Denis Zakaria who can carry the ball and they played Coutinho as a left left-sided eight in this game and that didn't really work too well and then they played him with Müller for the first time and Miller played this kind of hybrid 10 drifting out wide but you know it tells speaks a lot about Bayern when like they were at like that they had that Pavar goal and then Lewandowski lucky goal where the ball bounced back to him so they were 2-0 up with like 0.10 xg and I don't think you know and 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 Union you know didn't really have that much and you know they, they don't look that great and they still I wish they would try like two strikers and less fewer long balls and you know maybe not as much of Christian Gettner but it didn't look that great and really it only started to look great for Bayern when Gnabry came in and he had like so many good chances and and that's when you know they were they were able to take Coman off and and and, and move Gnabry on, on on that wing and then move move Perisic around so it's it's a lot of issues for Bayern but I think the biggest one is just like not really having a lot of game control like they still look so so fragile because they're not able to stop counters yeah, yeah, this is this is a Bayern team that sort of always looks in some ways one goal away, you know, giving up one goal away from being sort of a bit adrift, which is kind of a weird thing 
for Bayern. Although, you know, uh, just in the interest of keeping the title race tight, I'll, I'll, I'll take it for as long as they're willing to give it to me. Another interesting result. Oh, uh, incidentally, Bayern are in action in the cup. They are going away to Bochum. The, the Goretzka homecoming game. Yeah. Indeed, the Goretzka <laughs> homecoming game. He will have, you know, the, the whole family clad perhaps in blue, <laughs> rooting against him. If they are, you know, good Bochum fans. I'm sure they'll be wearing those combination scarves or whatever. SC Paderborn, by the way, they won a game in the Bundesliga. Yay. They did it. They beat Fortuna Dusseldorf, a team who I know you have written about a fair bit. I, I read your, your your bit this morning about them, especially about Zach Steffen, how he has been sort of yeah. keeping them in some games that they in general had no business being in. This is a team who has been, you know, outplaying its, its you know, expected goals, expected points, et cetera, all season. I was not shocked to see them drop a game, even even to a bad team like like SC Paderborn, because it seemed like they were kind of due for a bad luck game, let's just say. Yeah, I don't know if like Paderborn are a bad team. I mean, they're, they're certainly bad like results-wise, but I, it's like one of the teams that I like low-key really, really enjoy. Oh, me too. Me too. I, I actually like watching Cause, them. Because Stefan Baumgart, like if you if you don't really know him, like he's just like that. I mean, coincidentally, he played with Peter Bosch at Hansa Rostock. I think with Eval Dinen or under Eval Dinen maybe. And he's just one of those guys who's like, our best game was uh, preseason uh, against Lazio, and we were down three nothing at the half. But like we did everything that I wanted, and you know he's just going to attack. And their, their thing, and I, and I might like write about Paderborn at length at, at some point. But uh, you know their thing is like he's tried a lot. Like he's he's playing a different keeper now. He's playing two different center backs with Luca Kilian and, Sh- and Sean Lau instead of Hunemeyer and Schrodig. He's he's played like uh, Gerrit Holtmann and left back. He's now playing Vasiliadis as a number ten who's been playing like as a double six. Uh, he switched like all of his strikers and now he had like Shabiri who's a sort of a new striker. Probably scored the goal of the season under over poor uh, Zach Steffen. So like it's tough with Paderborn because the, their the style that they want to play is the 4-2-2-2, quick, like, attacking combination, high-pressing, gigging-pressing. And if they concede or if they go behind or if they kind of start not to play that style, then it looks much, much worse, like against Cone, where they just give up a lot of shots and individually they get beaten because their fullbacks are really attacking, like Collins. Scott, like one of the most dribbles in the full, in the league, Drager as well tends to get caught out, and they don't have a lot of like individual defensive quality to to make up for that, and certainly not like goalkeeping or anything. So they're going to be in those those kind of games, but when when they score like really like nice or somewhat fluky goals, like you kind of saw this against Bayern as well, that they can nick these these kind of games. And with this Dorf, I don't know, like it's tough for me because they sold, you know, Raman, they sold uh, Luka Bacchio, Kevin Stöger is out, like everything that made them look good last season is gone. So the replacements are Tech Patai, who was at Paderborn, of course, uh, in Zeitliga, and then, uh, you know, Ampoma and sometimes Eric Tomi, sometimes you've got like Kovnatsky, you know, so I don't know, like there's not that much for me to like about Düsseldorf uh, you know they compete they've got like you know Zach Steffen has probably been one of the best three two Bundesliga goalkeepers you know leading the uh, the shots saved and whatnot but uh yeah it's it's like they're I don't know like that table was was out like a couple weeks ago where if the games had been called after 1-0 like Düsseldorf would have 18 points but uh, unfortunately you know it doesn't doesn't really happen you know they do tend to get scored on just because you know Kasim Adams is not like a superb on-ball defender or with the ball Kanai Han you know scores a lot of goals but can get lost and then like the Alfredo Morales like Bojek Lewis Baker like those guys you know not a lot of speed in the field so it's a team that it might be like i think this is the weird thing about the Bundesliga is that you know there's a top nine or top ten or whatever but there's also like that bottom six or seven and they're 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 right down there and i wouldn't be surprised if they'd be like the ones that went down yeah yeah it's it's funny they are definitely part of that group of teams that are a cut below that it's not entirely clear who among them are really the true relegation favorites Incidentally, we have uh, a game for them. They are at home to Awa, who are our fourth in the Zweite Bundesliga, oddly enough. In the Cup, they are playing at midweek. And Paderborn are over in Leverkusen, where they, you know, have already played a uh, sort it's of... A superb 3-2 game. Yeah, yeah. End-to-end really end football derby. <laughs> we 
definitely tune into this cup game if you get the chance. If it's something you can find on the uh, the dark web. Leverkusen, of course, were in action this weekend. They drew 2-2 at home to uh, Werder Bremen. This was a kind of a weird game um, in that Leverkusen were, were pretty dominant in this game. However, only managed to score two goals, one of them an own goal. How do you reckon this game ended up the way that it did? I really don't know because like they, they gave up like the the deflected uh, Rashica shot and then yep. kind of fell asleep on a throw in and Klassen side footed and I think even then like Radetzky didn't see too much of it and they lost uh, Sven Bender and Dragovic came in. Of course uh, Dragovic and Toprak kind of involved in own goals, like who who could have guessed? But um <laughs> The, the fact that, like, I mean, the, the thing with Leverkusen has been people have been souring on Peter Bosch because of the Champions League where they've got zero points and then, you know, the inability to get uh, Demir by kind of integrated. He looks pretty slow and we're not sure what, what he does. In this game, he was very good at set pieces. But, uh, you know, Peter Bosch wants to play like a 4-3-3 but doesn't have fullbacks to play a 4-3-3. So they play like a, like a 3, like a kind of a, a 3-2-3-2 now or, or sometimes it's like a 3 Two four one with Alario up top. Now they actually had Alario and Foland up top, and and that looked much better. I think that that might be it might be the way to go forward. But they put up like three and a half xG without Havertz and Arangis, who are probably two of their best five players. And you know, even defensively, they didn't give up that much. So so I actually like. I mean, I'd be disappointed with the result, but not the process. And, you know, I think Amiri is kind of slowly looking a little bit better. Center backs is still an issue. Like, you know, I, I really want them to play Retzos, but apparently, like, he's he's been kind of slow to return from injuries. And, you know, with Lars Bender or Sven Bender or, like, Dragovic, you just have no defensive speed. So anytime you lose the ball, and I think that's, like, the, the way teams play Leverkusen is that they let the back three have the ball, and then they sit back and they're just like, okay, we're just going to counter or try to win the ball and then and score that way and, and Bremen did a masterful job of that because Kofeld is a very smart coach and you know Peter Bosch I think gets unfairly criticized sometimes because they pay, people say like well he always plays the same way and he actually kind of doesn't because he, he, he tweaks a lot and you, you saw that against Leipzig where they actually played a much deeper defensive block or even in this game like they played differently so it's not it's not that great because like you know Havertz has not had a good season you know a lot of the new signings Diaby doesn't play St. Graven doesn't isn't kicked on so it's it's kind of a tough season and then and they're i think they're it's nicer for them if they, to try to kind of fly under the radar but uh you'll see i mean their their next games are tough because they play gladbach wolfsburg freiburg bayern and schalke so that that will really uh determine their season yep yep i guess that incidentally bremen they are at home to heidenheim in the cup this week, they uh, the Heidenheim is having a pretty pretty decent start to the season. They are fifth in the Zweite Bundesliga at the moment. A couple of more games from you know our favorite, the Aston Bundesliga this weekend. Mites defeated Cologne three one on Friday night. That was not a super notable game, other than some VAR controversy, which was followed then by a. Uh, <laughs> A letter sent out by the DFB's, you know, uh, officiating arm, <laughs> saying that, uh, uh, "Oops, we got that one wrong." Basically, it was a it was a challenged play. Uh, a Mites player was a judge not to have committed a, a handball. In I think it was honestly it was Niakate, but but I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean it, it was a play that, that, that would, uh, having watched the other games. the uh, you know the the folks in Cologne in the basement, you know the 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 replay guys said to the official that you should take another look at this. And he took another look at it, and he was like, nope, I was right the first time, which turns out that he wasn't right, uh, according to, to the, the, head, the head referees in charge. Seemed like the classic game that was supposed to like finish two two, and then like you know they didn't get the call. Quaison had that super goal. Timo Horn uh, continues to be like one of the lowest performing goalkeepers, and then you know the third goal by Ostinali was another one where he looked not great. And yeah, those are kind of the differences. And at the end, uh, Bayer Lorzer went with the Roy Hodgson "Let's put all my strikers on the field" strategy, which always works in FIFA. So I'm shocked it didn't work here. But uh, yeah. It's it's, it's been it's been like not great and mines you know they slowly have been climbing out of the relegation zone which is which is good to see for them Salai actually was pretty instrumental with this hold up play so uh, happy happy for him and you know Quaison has, has been scoring some really nice goals and 
Botius uh, continues to be one of the most underappreciated guys. So I don't know. Like I, I still, I still, I'm fairly optimistic uh, about Mainz. So you know, because if they ever get like any any sort of attacking output, like their defense is not is not bad at all. And Cologne, I don't know. Like I'm still, I'm still, I still can't. It's like probably Cologne to me are like the weirdest team because. Uh, Based on names, they have so much talent, but it doesn't seem to fit. Like in terms of, particularly with Bayer Lorzer, like he wants to play a very kind of RB pressing style, and I'm not sure, like you know, all the players are a good fit for that. Yeah, Mites have been eliminated from the cup, so they are not playing at midweek. Cologne are going away to Zabrücken, and uh, lest you think this is a uh, Jonas Hector homecoming game, because uh, you know. God, could there possibly be more than one club in Zyland? In fact, there is more than one club in Zyland. Uh, he never played for FC Saarbrücken, oddly enough. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe SV Alasmacher is, uh, you know, a, an arch local rival of uh, FC Saarbrücken. Yeah, I was thinking about it. I was like, thinking, what was the team? But then you know, you I had, had to look Alasmacher. it up because I was like, I was, I was thinking maybe that was going to be the situation. But, you know, mm-hmm. it isn't. It isn't. So maybe he's just, he can't wait to get one over on, uh, on Saarbrücken. Finally, in the Bundesliga from this weekend, this was a game that I, you know, certainly paid a lot of attention to and, and I encouraged Abel to, to watch, and I think he, he was appreciative for that request because it was a good game. It was Hertha versus Hoffenheim. I thought the result completely sucked. I thought it was a bummer the way that it went, yeah. but it was actually a really fun game. It ended up 3-2 win for Hoffenheim. Yeah, an interesting one in that, that Hoffenheim basically sort of picked off Hertha twice to go up 2-0, and, and Hertha sort of figured things out a little bit in the second half, got themselves back up to 2-2, and then, of course... Just decided to throw it away. Yeah, it was, it was like, I mean, these games are always like 3-3, right? Like last season and always thrillers. But uh, I was interesting because Hoffenheim had like 75% of the ball early on and seemed like a, another one of those where Chovic doesn't want to have the ball and tries to press. And then, um, you know, once they once they went up to nil, then then he changed and, and brought in Duda, I think for Grujic in the second half. And, and that really changed because Duda created a lot. And the first half crosses were really bad by both uh, Plattenhardt and Luke Bacchio. But then, you know, Plattenhardt's crossing improved. Wolf was beating guys off the dribble. Luke Bacchio scored that crazy bicycle goal, bicycle kick. And then even Salomon Kalu got in on the act. And then it was a super open game. And then, you know, it was a matter of time of like, are Hertha going to get get over to the top or is it going to be like on a Hoffenheim counter? And I don't know. I, I, really, I really like watching both of these teams because there's a lot of tactical flexibility. Schroeder is it's like the guy that I've been most wrong on is Alfred Schroeder because I, I kind of wrote them off after they got to, they barely got through against Würzburg and had a poor start, like five points in five games. And since then, he's he's only beaten like every team. Like I think they beat Schalke and then they beat uh, Bayern and then they beat Hertha. And like, they didn't look amazing, but considering the fact that like he's not, he hasn't had uh, Samaseku or, you know, Kramaric has just gotten back. Belfodil played with the, the, the torn ACL or whatever. He's, you know, he's playing like guys out of position. And so it's, 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 it's pretty interesting. I, I like, you know, growing to like uh, Schroeder and then Hertha, I don't know, like I'm, st- I'm still not sure where I am with Hertha because the individually, there's a lot of talent. Chovic seems to make some interesting decisions, but then he also seems to be like a little passive at times. And I don't know, like, what do, you, what do you think about them for this season, just in terms of how happy are you with them? Uh, I'm medium happy. I mean, I, I, I can't say that, like, entering the season, I thought they had a chance to be a sort of, you know, outside chance for... I thought so, too. I picked them, like, I did. seventh. I, picked them, I think I picked them seventh, and I still think that that is potentially achievable. They're, I think I blame you. They're only... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. I still don't necessarily think they have figured out what their preferred style, preferred lineup yeah. is. I mean, the fact that they, we've already seen like extended periods where, where Chovic has sort of gone in one direction, then gone in another. I mean, he he started off the season relying on Ibisevic and then decided, no, I'm going to play Zelka for a while. That didn't work yeah. out. He went back to Ibisevic. Everything went great. He's kind of been verging on doing that with Duda and Dorita. Same thing with Duda, Rosan and, and Luka you know, Bakio, yeah. That, that, yeah. Things like that happen 
in the contour of a season. Same thing with like yeah. Rekik and Boyata. Exactly. Right? Like, Rekik, Boyata, Stark. I mean, T- Taruna Riga can't even get a game anymore. Yeah, or Mittelstadt Plattenhardt. He's, he's swapping them too. Like, yeah. I like, could, I, or I, even like, yeah. I, I was stunned to see uh, Plattenhardt start this game, actually. The only only one that's uh, always a nail-down starter is your favorite, Telsilian, Lothar Mateusz Kjellbred, <laughs> who's now like playing. He's like, it's, it's like he's nominally a defensive midfielder, but he just plays like a libero. He does. He does. Well, I mean, and to be fair, he's had some games where he's he's been a great libero. No, he's not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, they, I, I still find the team's style to be yeah more passive uh, than I would like. I still think that they have have sort of relied on individual class, which they have not that much of, to get over the top at times. I I, I think it's a real work in progress, and I'm I'm kind of giving up on the idea that they're going to make a lot of noise this season. But you know, I look at that 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 squad and still think that there's a lot of good raw material there i still think that you know there is there is a good way forward to be found with this group of players i just i don't know exactly when it's going to happen all right well hertha are at home to dresden in the cup hoffenheim are in duisburg you know there's so many games to choose from tune into one enjoy it and uh you know we'll, we'll be seeing you that is all for this edition of talking foosball which was produced as always, by Aiden Rantoul. It was really, really great to have you back on the podcast, Abel. It had been really much too long. It, it had been, uh, unfortunately, and uh, you know, hopefully, we don't we don't need to wait another uh, I don't know how long uh, to, for me to be back on. And uh, I've you know just been uh, it's been it's been good to chat with you, good to catch up with you, and of course uh, with the Talking Football listeners as well. Superb, superb, superb work all around. Thank you very much. Uh, you can always follow Abel on Twitter at BundesPL. You can read his newsletter. Tell people uh, the URL portal, whatever they, they can sign up to your newsletter on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's bundesligabulletin.substack.com. So basically it's Substack as a newsletter platform that uh, you can just uh, basically really easily use and and follow so i've, I've got a free uh, version and there's a paid version and uh, you know getting getting some really good uh, signups and uh, hopefully i'll be able to put more content on there you know in terms of podcasts interviews analysis just the things that i usually do spectacular if you're not getting at least the free version you are really 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 missing out you got to do it um yeah if you want to talk to me you can do that uh, on twitter at mr matt herman you can always subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your pods. You can leave us a rating, hopefully a good one. It is a big help. Talking Foosball Fantasy with James Thurgood and Flo Reinicke will be back later in the week, helping you score big on Match Day 10. Bis zum nächsten Mal, y'all.